the Beer EDU Podcast, Episode 76, Content Creation with Bruce Reicher. Welcome to the Beer EDU Podcast, the podcast for educators that love to learn and share ideas with fellow educators over beers, with your hosts, Kyle Anderson and Ben Dixon. Hey, Kyle, what is up, my friend? Oh, not a whole lot. How about you, Ben? I am good. It is summer. Uh, it's hot here, but I won't even ask how hot it is in Vegas. Um. <laughs> uh, today, but- it is uh, balmy 109. So, oh, okay. Then I won't complain about 94. Yeah, so- no, no, you have no room <laughs> to complain. And um, I will say that like, I don't mind the heat so much, but I had been camping for several days yes. where the high temperature was only 80 where I was at. Yep. And I had no cell service. It was a great little yep. uh, rewind. And then we had this, uh, we had a little snafu with the trailer <laughs> where we end up snapping a spring off on, uh, on the trailer and having to get that fixed. And, uh, I've actually, I'm still nursing the sunburn a little bit from uh, being outside trying to figure out, A, what was wrong with the trailer, and then B, waiting for the tow truck to come get the trailer. So, Oh, yeah. But enough about me. Well, not so much enough about me because I will introduce myself real quick. I am Kyle Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at AndersonEdTech and then also my blog, AndersonEdTech.net. My book, To the Edge, Success and Failures Through Risk-Taking, available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And you, my friend, you are? I am Ben Dixon. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at bdixonnv. And since this is the Beer EDU podcast, episode 076, we like to talk about beer and education. So let's start with beer. Kyle, my friend, what are you drinking tonight? Okay, so I I found something that I had never heard of. I, I was blown away. I mean, I'm not saying I'm an expert and that there's not styles and stuff out there that I don't know about, but this is a this is an absolute first, and I know that's a first. I have tonight a beer called Derby Beer, and it's from a okay. brewery in Las Vegas called Hop Nuts Brewing. It's 6.1% ABV. It's 18 IBU, and this right. the style of this beer, it's what's called a Kentucky Common. Okay. And it's something, like I said, I had never heard of this before. And I was doing the, the little bit of research on it last night uh, when I purchased this growler to bring home and everything. And I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to be a good learn about because, like I said, I, right. I have no idea what a Kentucky Common is. So stay tuned for the end of the episode when we figure out exactly what that is. But I will say that it's, it's malty and it's a little bit sweet. No, not overpoweringly sweet. Very drinkable. So this is a, definitely a lawnmower beer. So, but it's kind of deceiving because it's cut like this coppery color to it. And um, like, when you look at it, you're thinking like, it's going to be a hot bomb or it's going to be, you know, super malty where it's not going to be enjoyable in the heat, but no, this one is, it's very, very drinkable. So, and um, it reminds me a little bit of anchor steam, like a lighter version of anchor steam. And there's a good reason behind why that is that we'll talk about when we get to the learn about segment. All right. So. No, I'm excited. It's one I've never heard of. So, so when you said this, and, and I looked at, I looked, and I'm like, oh, I, I had no idea that's a thing. No, and I, I was, like I said, me neither. So I was really excited to try a new style I'd never heard right. of. So, um, but you got one that's yeah. just more, I, you know, straightforward. Yep, I got a uh, revision local brewery, uh, revision rebel RBL lager, five uh, percent ABV, fifteen IBUs. It's an American lager. Enough said. It's just, I mean, it's, 
it's it is what it is it's yeah. it's it's a good easy drinking beer um you know it's not uh not overly powerful anything like that i mean revision i've yet to have a bad beer from them so i'm i you know that's yeah i i, I enjoy revision i miss being able to go to revision now that i'm no longer in reno but what is nice is that you can get revision around las yes. vegas they do distribute yes down you here. can and then uh I was also able to introduce a buddy to Lead Dogs Oranges Are Orange milkshake. Oh, they, had it down there. they had that down here, and I was oh, able nice. to introduce him to that. So he was pretty fired up about that. So I'm still going to be able to get my Reno fix, even though I'm yeah, you'll get your away. Reno beer. Don't worry. So don't worry. Well, very nice. We've got beers, and we also have a guest. Yes. So yes. we have with us today, all the way from New Jersey, Bruce Reicher coming on to talk to us today. Bruce, how we doing? Hey, we're doing uh we're doing great here i feel good that now it's only it was only 85 degrees here today so not a well, lot of humidity and yeah, I, I was gonna say what's your humidity bruce <laughs> very low today actually actually it's usually humid in the summer in uh new jersey northern new jersey but today wasn't okay. so bad um and i'm ready at the end of the show i had i'm not a big uh, ipo drinker and all that but i phoned a friend today so i'm ready at the end of the show with some new jersey and northeast picks for you oh nice. oh sweet so okay. yeah, we have a hard time getting a hold of a lot of East Coast beers out here outside of like the Brooklyn Brewery and yeah. whatnot. Okay. But uh, no, we're always I, interested in finding out more. I know one of them. I know one of them. You can order online. I saw it on their website. So Ooh. you'll be able you'll go. be able to get it. That's that's oh, a okay. teaser. That's All a right, teaser. there we go. Yeah, so <laughs> very nice. Definitely, you're so. gonna have to. Everybody's gonna have to listen to the end of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, Bruce, we were just kind of riffing a little bit before we hit record. Uh, you don't have a beer, but is there a style or a or a certain one that you usually tend to go to? Yeah, I mean, usually if I'm hanging out, I'll have uh, just like a Coors Light or a Heineken just to relax and you know have a beer just to cool down and everything. But right. um, th those are the two that I go to. But I've listened to your show before, so I felt like I was playing the millionaire show that I had to like phone a friend <laughs> who like makes it in his house. And of course, oh, I wow. yeah, so I called yeah. him and he was going into a meeting. He said, call back this afternoon. And then he's like, oh, sure. I could give you plenty of East Coast ones that they could get in the whole country. So I'm nice. like, that's perfect because, you know, I want to have some information, you know, for you guys and stuff. And I've tried them before, but I, I don't have a favorite of any of those okay. microbreweries. But mm, right. usually at dinner, Heineken or Coors Light in the summer, yeah. you know, to drink and, and hang out. Yeah, um, cool. Nothing, nothing super fancy, nothing but uh, like I said, <laughs> I, I really felt like I was on the show though, but no more phone a friend. I actually text a friend <laughs> and then you use the cell phone as a phone later in the day. So <laughs> take care of it. There we go. Yeah. Hey, no, there's no, we, we like, we just love having people on the show and if they like beer, great. We've had people talk about root beer. We've had people talk about coffee. We've had multiple wine. Uh, yeah, so don't even worry. That's, it's awesome. I can't wait to hear what those are about. But so, cool. Bruce, tell us a little bit about yourself and like, like who you are, what's your passion in education? Uh, sure. I've been a teacher for 25 years and started out as an elementary teacher in fourth and sixth grade. And I saw the computer teacher was coming a couple times a week, one of the districts where I worked. And in the like mid nineties doing things like hyper studio and hypercard and laser discs. And I said, that'd be cool one day if I could do that instead of, and kudos to all elementary teachers, teaching nine subjects is not fun um, because you can't be an expert, you know, in all nine. So mm -hmm. I eventually switched over to be a technology teacher and ended up with my true passion of, 
I originally went to school at University of Hartford for radio and television. And there was an opening in a middle school where I was teaching that they had a TV studio already set up and they were looking for someone to run the TV studio with another teacher. And by that point, I was already 12, 13 years you know, into my career. And okay. I never even thought about teaching in middle school. I was always you know, K through eight. I had my master's in elementary ed. And I'm like, let me go for it because bring my you know, two worlds together, two passions together. And now, um, you know, years later, the past 13 years, I switched to a different school district and built my own TV studio from scratch um, wow. and, you know, built it up starting with, I mean, built it up from the point where the cameras that we had originally were donated by the cable company, legacy cameras that took VHS tapes. So it was really like old equipment in there and over 13 year period of time, now we have a 4K studio, green screen, 4K cameras. Um, and before the COVID hit in March, we were doing, we did do for 13 years, a live show every single day. So this year we actually wow. hit 2000 shows that the students did, wrote, produced, uh, all the features on the show, all the content. And the show is really for the kids to learn how to do video production. And more importantly, you know, to highlight the school and the, and mm -hmm. the community. And we'll talk tonight. I had to kind of switch gears a little bit once we uh, hit the third week of March because <laughs> we certainly were not doing a live show remotely from, you know, kids' rooms and outside and different things. So we changed gears, but we kept, we kept the show going. Um, and I'm really happy. I'm, you know, my 25th year of teaching and there's other opportunities that I don't even want. Like I'm in a place where I built it up from scratch and now it's really right. just thinking of how many creative things, you know, can you add into this TV studio that we never had green screen. We got that two years ago, a live green screen to do weather and sports. Um, and, you know, just a brainstorm. And I'm lucky enough, the enrichment teacher in the school, uh, the past five years, he's done the show with me. He doesn't teach the class with me, but it's okay. great. Between the two of us, we can go back and forth. And that's what we did with remote learning and the show. We looked at a lot of different shows in the country to see what kind of stories, how are people producing it? And mm -hmm. uh, ultimately we pre-produced the whole show in WeVideo. And then we put out a weekly show once a week um, and totally different show. But believe it or not, the content was so rich, we kept it to about 10 or 11 minutes, about four or five stories in a weekly show instead of a, instead of a daily show. Uh, so that's, that's my uh, story. And I'm here in northern New Jersey. I'm about 10 miles from New York City. So now oh, wow. we're like at the lowest point in the whole country. I think New York is one and New Jersey is two. Uh, for the amount of, you know, people that have it and hospitalizations. Right. So, you know, things are good now, but we were really hunkered down for months. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. My, my daughter is, is set to skip to attend school in, in New York at, at Pratt in fall and they're like sending her letters and they're like, okay, we're ready. You can come. And I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And, and then I'm like, and then I'm reading and I'm like, Oh, actually they're like in like a better situation than other places. So that's I good mean, to hear for you guys. Yeah, I mean, they, um, everybody did it different. There were no right or wrong ways, but they really yeah. went by science and the numbers and really opened things slowly. Uh, we don't even have indoor dining open, you know, yet. Yeah. Like they're not even that, in that phase or gyms. So they've right. taken it very slowly right. and they really have like not bent the curve. They like crushed it here. Right. I mean, there, I think uh, today there was 13 people who passed away from it. And oh. two months ago, they were averaging thousands a day. Right. Right. So they've really done um, a great job with that. And 
I have um, two daughters. One is uh, going to be a sophomore in college. So I know it's very tough now. <laughs> of even if they do go back, it's like right. everybody else. Adults have the feeling and same with kids. It's a, yep. uh, it's an interesting spot, you know, to be in for the student and for the universities that it's, it's tough. Oh, the, the educational landscape just, just as of like, like you said, in those early weeks of March, we just did a massive shift <laughs> and I don't think we're shifting back. I think this is going to be the change yeah. that's a lot of us have been talking about. So and for and for college, I mean, it, it really begs the question. I saw numbers up to 500, 550 universities and colleges. If they don't merge, they're going to close because wow. they they have like so little revenue. Not big right. schools um, that it's going to be tough for them, you know, to to right. keep going. So it really, wow. the more you peel the onion in any, um, you know, whether it's college, high school, elementary school. Um, everybody is affected different ways, but uh, you know, if if you're a student also, and let's say it doesn't matter what the school is, if your parents are going to pay, you know, seventy thousand dollars a year for you to go to school, or you mm -hmm. can go to the community college and do the same course, similar courses right. online, right? It becomes a tough, uh, you know, tough decision financially yeah. too. For sure. I, I did my first uh, master's degree online. I started that in two thousand nine and finished in 2010. So, I mean, I did that 10 years ago and I've got two more degrees since then that I did online as well. So, I mean, that's, that was before any of this ever happened. Right. So yeah, I, I think colleges and universities are really going to have to take a look at their model to figure out. I mean, if, if yeah. people can, I, like I said, I've got three advanced degrees that I've done online and I feel that I'm, I, that they prepared me very well for what I'm doing right. in education now. So uh, do I, agree with maybe the fact that a full bachelor's online I don't know I'm not sure about yeah, that right. because I, I don't have a bachelor's uh, degree from right. that but I hosted a student teacher uh, that this semester who I had her for a week and a half before the whole thing hit so her student teaching experience with me was very very different <laughs> from what I remember mine from being but she was she did her entire bachelor's online mm -hmm. and she did it in under two years so you know, and, and she and, seemed very well prepared and she did a great job with me, but I just, she was a self-motivator. I'm not sure how many out there are going to be able to do a bachelor's online though. So, but colleges are really going to have to look at this yeah, and figure I mean, out I, if that model is going to be feasible for them. Yeah, you're exact. I mean, obviously the landscape has like totally changed and whatever level you're talking about. I think the one really good thing moving forward is I think everybody is more comfortable, everybody being educators that, I've connected with people around the country and now around the world saying, oh, you need help with we video? Yeah, just send me your link and a password and I'm on with you. And just like we're right. talking here, before you know it, I'm on with, I was on with a teacher in Iowa a couple of weeks ago, helping her with like a year end video. Like when else would I be doing that if I was teaching during the day? So right. I think there are certain things you can leverage because even myself included, you know what, the first week of March, if you said, hey, you know, let's do this in school. I'd be like, I don't think so. There's no way Zoom, Google, Meet, any of them, they're not even getting through the filter in my school. So before you even, you know, take right. the second step, you have to go through IT, which I understand why they have the right. filter, you know, right. and the whole thing. Um, so I, the whole landscape has changed. And I think the people that are going to do the best with it, college, K through 12, whatever we're talking about is now who can leverage it, right? I, right. I mean, it's not obvious, but it seems obvious to me that it's going to be, you know, the third option, which is a mix of something where you right. go to school and other people could be still teaching remotely. So for remote learning specifically, 
what things did you do well and what things could you do better? And same for the kids. You know, there's a lot of right. kids that thrived in remote learning that did much better in that than mm -hmm. they did in a traditional classroom. That's that's super true. So, hey, and I kind of want to go back because I don't know a lot about WeVideo. So can you just kind of like walk us through what is that and, 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 and like maybe how did you get involved with it? Yeah, sure. Um, in my school district in New Jersey, the first seven years we had one-to-one, um, we had iPads, which was, you know, the iPads were terrific. They did everything we wanted them to do for cost and other reasons. Network-wise, they switched to Chromebooks four years ago. And at the time, there was only two pieces of software that would not run on the Chromebooks. One was Google Earth, which since they now have a website. And the mm -hmm. other one was iMovie. You know, there's no equivalent right. of iMovie. I mean, there, there are a lot of third-party things, but there's no really equivalent. So right. I had dabbled with WeVideo way before we got the Chromebooks. But once we got the Chromebooks, they bought them in bulk and they bought a uh, bundle with Explain Everything, WeVideo, and also Soundtrap. And mm -hmm. WeVideo is, for me, it's phenomenal. It's basically iMovie, but it's up in the cloud. So that gives you the advantage of kids could work together um, right. collaboratively. The teacher can send out all the assets to the kids to make videos. And now four years later, WeVideo has really added, they're much more fluid than iMovie ever was, that now okay. you could do podcasts, you could do animated wow. GIFs, you could do screencasts, or you could just do traditional videos of whatever you could plan out or students could plan out and think of. Um, and you know what's fun? In the beginning, four years ago, the students, they were like, we're not doing this. Like, they, <laughs> they knew iMovie since third or fourth grade. They're like, this right. wee video thing, we're not doing right. it. And even myself, the first couple of months before I transitioned, I had to get comfortable with it. And then I'll never forget, like halfway through the year, I'm like, all right, iMovie is gone. I need to transition myself to wee video. And classroom management-wise, you know what one of the best things is? Because it's in the cloud and they can be collaborative. It's not in real time yet, like a Google Doc would be, but right. it's still collaborative. I have students that go to enrichment, ban, they're out sick, they're late, a million different reasons. Right. And in iMovie world, it saves to the hard drive. And mm -hmm. I would have to go look up their partner's login, go get their login, and forget even if the hard drive crashed, then you would really be in trouble because iMovie saved to a single computer. So basically, think of WeVideo as iMovie in the cloud. It's collaborative. And the other thing, big difference is, it's really, to me, like fluid. Like iMovie, mm. the last five years I used it, like there was no change. And the operating mm. system would change, but you know, the right. watch and the phone were the thing. iMovie was not their big you know, seller or you know, thing they were updating. Where right. we video, to give you an example, when I first started, there were no stock images four years ago. You had to bring in you know, all your okay. own footage, pictures, whatever it was. And then they started building the stock image library 200,000, 500,000. Now they've reached 1 million copyright-free assets of video clips, still clips, sounds, um, and everything, transitions, that basically you could search right within the program, mm -hmm. and they're all you know copyright-free. So they really have kept on wow. building WeVideo, where iMovie, I know they added this year finally, like green screen, I think you could do on the right. mobile. Um, but basically, um, it gives you a lot more options in WeVideo, and you know, the Ken Burns effect is not there, but they have animation. So in okay. the beginning, it's kind of just finding, you know, where everything is. Um, right. And it's, it, it's a great product. They're very teacher friendly. You know how you could be ambassadors, you know, for different right. products. And I'm only ambassadors for products that I use in the classroom. I just right. don't, you know, go take whatever 
thing certification they want you to take. Right. Um, and now I've used it for four years and um, you know, it, it's terrific. And now four years later, the kids are like totally used to it and even better. Right. They learn it in fourth and fifth grade. I teach in a middle school, six through eight. So mm -hmm. like two years into it, you know, the orientation comes for sixth graders. How many kids have used we video? I'm like every single hand, they're like, use we video. We know how to do green screen. We know how to do this. We know how to do right. that. Um, so it really, you know, changed the landscape of things. Now you mentioned with your video production class, your TV class, is that how you produce your shows then is using the we video? Correct. In when we're doing remote learning, uh, we have been producing them in we video and basically crowdsourcing all the information from, I do, the um, classes are done by the marking period. So I have three sections of eighth graders. Every eighth grader in the school takes the class. So basically one class when we were doing it live was doing the show, while the other okay. two classes were creating the content, the stories, public service announcements, pledges, all different parts of the show. Once we switched to remote, we would have three or four different students who would be on air, like pre-recorded hosting the show but we really got really rich information every week. The PE teacher sent us, you know, some type of uh, bit that they were doing uh, for the music teachers, which I'm super amazed about, like doing music remotely and having the sixth grade band play to me. Wow. Is, I don't, I don't know how the person, <laughs> you know, how the person does it. It's like, you're amazed at someone else's skill. I would get it. And to a novice, it sounds similar to if you went to the sixth grade concert in the school, Every eighth grader were writing letters to, you know, all the heroes, you know, and all those types of people. So we really got so much content in, including still the content from the class, um, okay. that it was more every week. The other person, a Richmond teacher and I, like, what could we keep in for like 12 minutes? And in the beginning, like a lot of schools, we had teachers saying hello to the kids and that mm -hmm. they missed them and, you know, all, all different right. types of, they had videos eventually for the teachers where we sang like a line of the song. I think Don't Stop Believing they use from Journey. And then that was like in the show one week. Um, and every Friday we switched from a daily mode to a weekly mode. Um, and really cool with doing distance learning. You know, we would put the story together. We started meeting with the kids beforehand because when we okay. didn't do that, like we sent kids the script and then two minutes later, they're like, we're done. We uploaded it to you. And the other <laughs> teacher and I are like, how did you do it so quickly? They're like, yeah, we just stayed in our room. We recorded it on the webcam. So then we started okay. learning too. We mm -hmm. Zoom conference with every single person after that that was on the show and said, you know, here's a story um, from the guidance department that's on health and wellness. Could you be under a tree outside while you're recording and, you know, brainstorm right. with them? Um, and then okay. we did that beginning of the week. Um, every Thursday with one of my supervisors and the other Richmond teacher, we did this, which was pretty cool just to share your screen and say, let's go over like the 10 or 12 minute show and any right. audio issue, put in different titles, different ideas. And okay. it became a lot more collaborative with the educators than right. the real live show, you know, was. It, it, it almost sounds like you're having like a full, cause you're doing a TV, you're basically doing a TV show or a video, you know, a, an online show, but you're having a production meetings and you're having production meetings with kids and like taking them through that process which I wonder when you were doing it as a class, were you able to do that? Like when it was face-to-face? -face? Uh, we would, but not as much. I mean, we would generally, okay. after they did the first live show, 
like the next lesson and they come every other day, but whenever they would right. come after that would be to basically review the show and to go over everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I found kind of a magic formula how it ended up is if you give me three full 48 minute classes, I'm ready to get the kids ready to do like a six to 10 minute live show that I okay. can train them and right. have them basically practice with a old script. Right. And the script right. and the format was the same, is the same every single day. Okay. Um, because the kids don't rehearse. They only rehearse for the first show and then right. do another, uh, and then do another 13. So it was just, it was just different, but you know, moving forward, let's say I'm on remote next year. Right. I'm already thinking, let me get more kids involved in the show. And maybe okay. the beginning of the week, Monday and Tuesday, do more of those type right. of meetings with them. Even if, you know, let's say that you and I are meeting and we could even say, you know what, three weeks from now, it's going to be Thanksgiving, you know, whatever it may be. It could even be for ideas that they're possibly going to do on the show. It right. might not even be, you know, for, for that week. Um, but it was just a different type of, you know, conferring with the right. actual products the students were making. I went to these uh, choice boards where they had a choice of six different things that they could do. Okay. So instead of assigning them like an open assignment to right. go find a story in the school for different months, they could pick one of six different, you know, projects okay. to do. Uh, and those came out really cool. I mean, kids, a lot of kids took off with those and, you know, they were just as good as the regular feature stories in the school. Wow. Yeah. I just, I just wonder with this format, I, we, we, and we've talked about this a couple of times on the show. We've, we've talked about like, like, yes, this format is hard. It's like not what any of us went into education for, but for some of our kids, some of our kids love this. Some of our kids, this, this, this works for them. And I also see that some of our kids have more access sometimes because then they feel like, okay, I can, I can jump into this thing and it's not as, as maybe threatening or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I think the other part of it too, with doing it remotely and next year I have a you know class where I want to explore this more is I don't really have them do podcasts, but I would like to do that and right. to make it like a little bit broader. So, you know, right. most of them just use the camera on their Chromebook, which was right. fine. Or, okay. or their phone, a lot of them use their cell phone too to record themselves. Okay. And you know what? I mean, one like very simple thing, but I see it all the time when I watch shows, like just to tell kids even don't hold your phone like this, hold your phone like that. So it's like not going to be letterbox and then you have to you right. know, fill it in uh, or some new skills that, you know, you know, they had to do, even though they're way more proficient on their cell phones than I am, right. you know, with some of the video things, we just had to, you know, walk them through, you know, a little bit to, you know, to make it look good. And same difference, like for the adults, like I would get things from teachers too, and it would totally be letterbox and just move your phone on the side. Right. Um, but if people don't know that and they're not used to it, right. That's, that's the whole rub. That's true. Well, I can imagine that the quality of what was being produced in remote learning was probably as good, if not maybe even better than what it was in the classroom, because now the kids they have a little bit more time to where they can refine things a little bit more. Is that something that you saw? No, definitely. And also too, I had, you know, the PE teachers, they would come on to promote things and they might do, you know, a couple of videos throughout the year, but there were people like the music teacher, PE teacher, social studies teachers weekly, they had, and the guidance counselors for wellness weekly, they had content that they were handing us. Right. So doing a weekly show and putting together the best things is a lot different than the live show that we do. Right. We rehearse the first week of school and then I'm a little bit crazy this way, but we do 170 shows live in a row. 
So that basically means you have to come up with 170 ideas every single day. There's a feature or an interview on the show and, you know, quality control. Most of them are very good, but you're not going to have 170 home runs. Like, you know, we end up middle school kids. Let's just be honest. (laughs) I mean, we end up doing like weeks, like if they have red ribbon week, then that right. whole week, like kids will come on and they'll talk about the event. Okay. Authors, anybody that visits the school, you know, comes on the show. But for the kids feature and the cycle of things, it's a 45 day cycle. They come every other day. So basically okay. the first two or three weeks of the class, the students have not created any content at all. So, you know, we're filling in with educational videos and interviewing new teachers mm-hmm. and, you know, those type of things. So I think, you know, the quality of the show improved because, you know, the content that we were getting, remember also too, now you have like the social studies teachers sending you letters they sent right. to heroes. They're sending you only the best ones, you know? So out of 165 students, they're saying these six we think are the best. So it's like they almost already vetted the content that the things that you were getting, you right. know, were, were all gonna be good content. Well, and I, and I can imagine in this format, you're getting, and I, I don't know, audience might not be the right word because the kids are watching it at school, but now you're getting it like out there to their families and families are seeing it. Did, what was the feedback that you got there? I mean, you know, people love that. I mean, the normal way we were doing the show is we would stream it in the school. So it'd be live right. in the school. Then we would take the recording and quick time. I would just trim out the beginning and end, oh, okay. put it up in a public Google Drive. And that right. was a link off of the website that people could go see it. Right. It was still public, but that was not the way people were watching it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. I mean, it, you know, it would get shared and the format every single day, the principal had a short, you know, two or three paragraph uh, email, you know, to the staff and the students, right. it would be a link in there that Cavallini school is cool. the school. So they call it CTV. So CTV this week, it would be a list of all the features, all the students, all the teachers that did it. Um, and then every Friday, that's how they would, you know, that's how everybody would watch the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, th- I think the same with the live show and with the tape show. I know doing the live show, some of my favorite things are parents who have said, you know what, um, you know, we gathered everybody over like in my office. And, you know, once this, once the recording was put up, then I watched like my daughter host the show. You right. know, it's it so cool of, uh, you know, them basically being the anchor on the show or weather person whatever, mm-hmm. whatever their role, whatever their role may be. But maybe, maybe we had a larger audience, but I think for, in fact, I almost know, like for K through eight, it seems less of like how many YouTube hits that you're going to get. Right. But I think high school is more geared towards that where, you know, we oh, want to okay. get like a broader audience and we want to be on YouTube. And right. I know in my, in my school, like they had a concern in the beginning. Now, not mm-hmm. necessarily all bets are off with remote learning, but <laughs> yeah. they want to be on YouTube because right. of some of the things on there. Uh, you know, now maybe, right. you know, things, because the landscape right. has changed, you know, eventually videos within the school got put up on a YouTube channel because that was, you know, the easiest place right. for people to watch them. Right. Now, when you say that you're recording them live, is it literally live where at this time every morning it, it's going on the TVs in the classroom or the computers in the classrooms and you're live or is it something that you record it, they get a few minutes to edit and then you post the link to the, to the school? No, it is live. Oh, wow. So basically every morning, the other teacher and myself come in at seven 30, the kids come in at seven 45. When we went to Chromebooks, one of the nicest things, um, there are basically two slide decks. One slide deck is the script that's shared with all okay. the students 
The other slide deck is all the graphics. So the lower thirds, uh, the green screen, the boxes over them when they're the announcers, all of those things are in a slide deck that gets put into the show. And then 755 is the bell uh, okay. for the students to go to homeroom. And then, you know, this is one of my favorite times, but you know, now I'm used to doing it for a long time. But when someone comes to you and says like, like we don't have a host and the show's on in like seven minutes. <laughs> so at that point, we, I'm, that's like one of the only rules that I have is if you're not there by 755 in the first right. bell, even if you're there 755 in one second, and this is hard to do, but you don't go on for that day. Right. Because I'm going to put someone else in your place. I don't know if you're late. Right. Eighth graders visit high schools. There's a whole bunch of things. Okay. And then for that person who goes on, 755 to 803, they have eight minutes to start getting ready, which means basically to read the script, get mic'd up, get you know ready okay. in the studio. And then in the character generator, we have to change the names, um, the lower thirds. And then also in the script to make sure that you go through all the names because the script is a, is a Google um, slide file. It just gets copied over from like the day before. So we really have to be careful that the previous student's name is not in there by mistake, um, you know, to go through it. And again, this is 7.55 to 8.03. Then, okay. uh, you know, eight o'clock, it's basically three minutes quiet. We count it down. And this is just me. And there's a million different ways to do this. Uh, in fact, I'm going to share with you guys later. We, I have a book coming out with two other educators, we wrote about media in the classroom. But um, the way that we do it live, I like to do it that way because you have like one shot. So right. you get to do the show live, do the best you can. If you mess up, just keep going. Like, you know, don't stop, we're not retaping anything. And then you have about a six to eight minute live show every single day. And every student, every class gets to do 14 shows. And after the seventh show, we switch the whole crew. So they get to experience at least two things in the show and the students also get to pick what they want to do so if you don't want to be on air then you don't go on air at all it's not a wheel or a rotation of jobs it's you know doing a job for seven days and mastering it and then after the seventh day uh you know you switch you know to to a different job but yeah i mean to answer your question the show is live in the school mm -hmm. um you know i held my breath more in like rehearsals than during the live show because basically three rehearsals to do the live show Honestly, if you can't do it and can't like raise the bar to be able to do it without mm -hmm. laughing and the whole thing, then you just don't go on because, you know, there is no delay. So it's live. It's live. Um, the studio is built in such a way. The studio is built in a classroom. I could send you guys pictures. Basically, in the middle of the classroom is one of those foldable gym walls that um, is panels and it has a window and a door in it. And the whole control room is like in a straight line which I think is important. So okay. I could stand behind it and then I could see every single thing in front of me. So instead of going like in and out of rows, everything right. is just right in front of you at this point on like 55 inch monitors, which is nice and boxes and you know, that type of thing. Um, but the show is live and I like doing it that way. I mean, if you've ever recorded anything in a school with a PTO ed foundation, you know, mm -hmm. adults and kids, good luck doing one take because usually you tape it and then most yep. people, and it's okay. Um, my hair was out of place. This wasn't great. Do you think we could tape it again? And before you know it, you're on the you know 10th, 11th take instead of just saying, look, this is the one time we're going to do right. it. And then tomorrow we're going to do it live again. So they, they only get, they only get one try at doing right. the show, but they've rehearsed it for three full classes. Right. So you're not, you're setting them up for success all the kids can do it. And some of my favorite kids 
are kids that their reading level might not be sixth, seventh, or eighth grade. And mm -hmm. I always love, they'll like, you know, they'll sign up on a sheet. We do it by numbers. They'll be like, I want to be the weather person. I want to be on air. And like, you're holding your breath saying, okay, if right. that's what you want to do. And some of them shine in this media. Yeah. You know, there's that's not awesome. tons to read for the weather. If you, you right. do like a five day forecast type of thing. Well, and I always go back to like, like, like passion and purpose. So like now you have kids that are like, look, I don't really care about reading a book about this, but now you're going to ask me to be on TV, you know, on TV and I'm going to read the weather or I'm going to read the story. I'm like, I'm all in, like, I'm going to practice. Like, yeah, I could care totally. less about reading your, reading your novel, but this, this I'm into. And again, you know, there's tons of different ways and schools do it all different ways to do, you know, from talking into a telephone in the office for an all call to, you know, going and doing the full live show. Mm -hmm. But I like to give the kids choice to pick what they want to do. And I think the same way with adults as kids is if I put you on air and you don't want to be on air, you're never going to do it again in your life. Like right. let them pick something what is right. their passion or they can go towards. Um, and even if they end up not doing broadcasting, it's a team type of thing where it's the sum of the parts where, you know, one person is not the only person on air. We put six people on air to get as many kids, you know, on right. as we possibly can. I'm just blown away at just how far that type of class has come in the last <laughs> yeah. 20 years or so, because, you know, you think when the three of us were in high school and I'm a little bit younger than the two of you, I mean, it was the assistant principal or the principal came on and read announcements at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the day. And then yeah. my high school, we were like half a mile away from the local TV station and they ended up having a collaboration where the class went over to the TV station for the first two periods of the day. Period one was planning, period two was record the show. Then they got the tape over for period three to play or something like that. And then now you've got schools really all over the country that they all have video production classes where it could be as simple as like an iPad on a tripod. Right to do oh, yeah. a show now I know like with green screen how far green screens have come but it sounds like you have just a an amazing setup is that something that your school just you, you asked and they supported you was it something you had to crowdfund to 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 build your studio up or how did you build this amazing sounding studio yeah that's a really good question uh when I got to the school 13 years ago uh there was this classroom that uh, the legacy equipment that Cablevision, who was the only game in town at the time, um, had donated all this, um, you know, older equipment was in this room. And I think they told me eight years before I got there and they had done some elective classes in it, but never really got it like fully functioning. Right. And luckily I had come from another school district that was two or three towns away and the same exact equipment. So same Tyler, same um, microphone, same everything from the cable company. So I walked mm -hmm. in for the interview and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, I'm ready to go tomorrow. I have the whole show in my head. <laughs> and, you know, even though it was analog equipment, like that's right. what I was used to using, you know, in the other school. And um, so the way that we did the funding was, you know, we got into this room where a lot of this legacy equipment was. Um, it was very good at the time, the principal, vice principal, tech person, um, buildings and grounds person probably four or five months we all met, which I would suggest to people, if you could do, do mm -hmm. it. Like take the time to plan it out and honestly take every cable and wire and unplug everything and then relabel everything and plug everything in so you know where everything is. And right. um, what we did for the funding is there's an education foundation. I work in an affluent district in New Jersey. 
a 501c where parents have fundraisers and they don't necessarily fund just technology, but they like to fund new projects. So picture, um, even though I had taught for a while, I'm in this school for five weeks and I won a $20,000 grant to upgrade the TV studio. And I'm thinking, um, <laughs> are the rest of the teachers in the school going to talk to me? <laughs> yeah, like, you get stabbed in the parking get, lot. Like, pencils? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But, the, but the culture, yeah, but the culture in this school was basically like they funded, they like to fund big projects like cool. start a greenhouse, right. uh, do nice. solar panels, do, right. you know, whatever it was that the kids were involved in. And believe cool. it or not, you know, out of that money, um, probably 80, 85% of it went to this wall that divided the room so you could have a control room and a studio oh, so everything right. wasn't open you know for the right. sound i think the wall was about fifteen thousand to buy and have installed you probably yeah. um but it's it's a different type of wall that has a window built in so you could see oh, both so you rooms see. okay and right. you actually walk through a door which is like part of the wall and then the oh, door right. closes when when you're right. doing the show so it's like so. a true studio setup almost exactly okay um exactly so the funding, some of it came from Education Foundation, some of it from PTO, um, some of it just from regular budget. And pretty much after the first initial 20000 every year from three to $5,000 from all of these different things that they had at the school, I would be upgrading one piece at a time like of equipment. So the right. biggest, biggest thing in the beginning was the video switcher because that controls everything. We went and bought, I think it was like a $5,000 video switcher at B&H data video, video switcher, like a very beginner one, which is fine. Um, but at least we got it to be Firewire at the time. So it was almost like digital right, kind of in the almost. middle, <laughs> in the middle of it. And, um, but I think the thing with funding and you guys were touching on it before is if you think, you know, Moore's law where everything is twice as fast and half the price. Well, right. that professor thought of that in 1968 and he's still right. Like you right. can start to, you know, start the TV studio with a Chromebook, $150 Chromebook and right. set up a teleprompter and that's your studio and then start, you know, building right. it out. And even as you've seen local TV, national TV stations in the pandemic, I mean, people are reporting like this, like I have a bookshelf behind me, they're reporting from their living room. Right. So it's more the content than, you know, how fancy of a set yeah. or like lighting's expensive to buy that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so we get funding from every place, believe it or not, um, donorschoose.org. I've won a okay. bunch of grants from them for, you know, even a long time ago, like iPods and iPod stands right. and microphones and anything under $500. Uh, but right. it's mainly from the school and they're smart. You know what? Uh, they have a 501C. They have right. a big fundraiser, pretty much whatever yep. it costs to go there and items. And then 100% of that money goes back to the students and okay, cool. it is it is grants and it is grant money, right. but this is not a Pepsi grant. You know, this right. is a grant like you have to be a full time teacher in the school district right. to apply for it. So your chances of you know getting some of that grant money are a little bit better than you're not up against you know ten thousand right. other people for one prize right. type of thing. Well, and I think it's I think it's what's so great about what you're doing is you're teaching kids like in this format that like. You don't have to be just a consumer. You can be a, a creator. You can be somebody that creates content and the kids get this experience. And who knows, like your kids move on. Like kids are creating content all the time beyond beyond kids on YouTube and that kind of thing. But, ki mm -hmm. but kids, I think, have passion and they have think stories to tell. And you're giving them this, this 
hey, it's more than just a Snapchat video or a TikTok video. It's like, look, you can, you can do something more. No, definitely. And, you know, two big things. One is, I mean, a big part of the class is like, who's our audience? Mm-hmm. Like the audience is the school. And this isn't a YouTube video of like a cat on a windshield that you're going to do. And there's no bloopers on the show. There's no, you know, of those type of things. Right. And the other part of it, which I really have looked into and is interesting is you take a look at future skills, you know, 2015, 2020, 2025, you take a look at the list of those 10 things, 10 for 10, they fit right into video production, creativity, problem solving, collaboration, um, you know, all of those skills. And I know creativity in particular, I think it was like number seven in 2015. Now it's like right. number two in the list in 2020. And all of those things fit into, you know, doing any type of broadcasting. It doesn't have to be right. a TV show, anything that you're, you know, playing, produce and you're writing and publishing. Um, so I think those skills are going to translate, you know, for students. And, you know, I, I dare say that those skills might be more important than, state standard skills that I don't know how workplace they are mm-hmm. compared to doing problem solving, having creativity, right. you know, these kids, you might not become the anchor of the local news show or national news show, but if you're, you know, with a group of people and you're working like this online and zoom, you're going to be using those skills that you learned in the class. And all of the projects are done uh, with partners of two or three um, that they get to pick and choose, but you still have to get along with, you know, the other people in the group yeah. to create, you know, good content, which right. is not so easy sometimes in middle school, but they, but they get it done. Now, Bruce, you mentioned that there's a book coming out yes. as well that has a lot to do with what you've been doing with your video production and your students and everything. So tell us a little bit more about your book. Sure. Um, the book started um, five years ago on Twitter, which I know we're all on. I see a teacher from Plymouth, Indiana, which is right by Notre Dame. I'm like, I have to, you know, DM this teacher and talk to her. She not only has a TV studio, she has a radio station. The kids do movies, they do PR, they have a movie night, like all media this teacher's doing in seventh and eighth grade. So Paula Needlinger is her name. Um, She's out of Plymouth, Indiana. So for five years, I have been communicating with her. Our classes like shared scripts and critique shows. So um, two years ago in October, she said, well, how would you like to, you know, write a book with me? And she had also trained a teacher in Indianapolis, uh, Randy Tomes, who, and I get a kick out of this, is an elementary teacher in his K-5 building. He has a radio station and a TV station that wow. he has the students do. So the three of us collaborated together. The book is called Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. EduMatch with Sarah Thomas is the publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be coming out August 11th. And, the, you know, this is really like a teacher's book because... I tell people like we did no research for the book. Like our research is we were all in the classroom at least 20 years and we're giving firsthand knowledge of this is the microphone we use. This is the video switcher we use. We video is a big part of it. Wakelet's a big part of it. You know, some other companies have written sections in the book. Um, And um, so we're excited for people to get the book. And we, two things we wanted to do in the book, make it broad enough. So K through 12, everybody could use it. So it's just mm-hmm. not build a TV studio, but rather create media. And also to be very budget conscious that it could be any device. It could be an iPad. It could be a Chromebook. It could be your phone. It, you don't necessarily have to go into it saying, you know, I'm going to build this big, you know, TV studio with all these bells and whistles because right. I'd rather have a more practical studio that is not, you know, off the charts, what every single thing costs and make it so complicated right. that 
you know, we, we use we video, we don't use Final Cut or Adobe, and it's fine. Mm -hmm. We're still telling stories of the school. So we really took a slant of it to make it like affordable, that basically whatever is in your curriculum, if you want to put in podcasting, if you want to put in media, uh, we have all different examples in the book, like K through 12 of, you know, what teachers could do. And we've almost thought of it like a recipe book, like you can go through it, even though it has different sections of budgeting and planning and uh, curriculum, hardware, software, you can kind of go through it to pick out, you know, parts that you're going to use and say, okay, I'm a fourth grade teacher. Here's an exemplar project that's in the book. It has the rubric, everything's done and use that, wow. you know, as a sample. And the coolest part is this is a total social media story. They're both from Indiana. I'm from New Jersey. Right. And a lot of the book we wrote like this, like we did on <laughs> Google Meet or Zoom right. and two computers have one computer and a Google doc, which in itself, if you, I mean, kids are not amazed about it, but I still am like, right. that, that can't be right. Like I'm on with two <laughs> teachers from Indiana on Thursday nights and I'm writing so, a book. Like it's yeah. unbelievable. There, there is there. Those of us of a, of a certain age are like, this is magic right here. <laughs> I mean, this is like, I mean, we had like a CB radio growing up. Like we're <laughs> yeah, talking you truckers, like, you go Ooh. from there to there. I mean, this eight track or this eight track. That's what we're listening to in the car. <laughs> it was, My dad's it was first pager. I remember that when the, <laughs> when the pager would go off. That meant he had to get on the get to a phone so he could call work. There I you mean, go. Could you imagine? Like people had baby pagers. Like it was just you know yeah. or the eight track song in the middle. It's in the middle. Yeah. Just wait. It will get to the second track. Yeah, you can't you know? fast forward. So <laughs> you have to listen uh, to the whole album. That's the way it is. <laughs> hey, I still like listening to the whole album. <laughs> That's why they're made that way. That's all I'm That's gonna right. say. Hey, they're they're coming back. They're coming yeah. back. There we are. There so we are. Obviously, better sounding than the MP3s. If you listen to the album on, you know, That's true. Oh, true. I I purchase vinyl often. Yep. So no, I. I <laughs> That's, love a, whole my subject. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. That's a whole other episode. That's show. <laughs> yes, indeed. So now, Bruce, one of the things that really stuck out um, in your description of the book and the process and everything was the word affordable. That and that is right. so key because so many people we'll look at something like this and like, I'll, I'll never be able to do it because we can't afford it. And then right. I liken it to as well, magazines. When I used to read magazines, I, you know, I would re read things like field and stream or like, you know, hockey magazines. And they always had the sections in there about here's the latest and greatest equipment. And you could outfit yourself for $5,000 and have the, the best elk hunting trip of your life or whatever. I'm like, I don't have $5,000 and that's just for the gear. Like, show me the affordable stuff, and the magazines never had that. So I love mm -hmm. to hear that your book, it's not just right. about all the the expensive stuff that's out there, which I'm sure your book's going to mention it, but you're talking also about how it's as simple as an iPad, a $400 iPad, and you can have a studio. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it really comes back to imagination, creativity. I mean, the purpose for, in my particular school is, we're telling the story of the school. So you get sixth graders who are brand new to the school. They never even knew what the clubs were in the school. Now they're seeing people from the clubs on the TV show, you know, that are promoting them and that type of thing. And you're basically telling the story of what's, you know, going on. And um, again, think about what we're in right now. You know, no one's turning off the TV because CNN is interviewing or whatever networks interviewing someone. And like they have their webcam through Cisco. Like, you, you know, no one's turning that off and saying, you know, we, we've just gotten used to it. You know what? Maybe right. it's not broadcast quality, but this person's the expert doctor or whoever they may be. And, you know, the content to me is right. like the king and the story is king of right. that's the most important thing. And, you know, along with audio quality and a bunch of other things. But 
you know, if you don't have a good story to tell, you can have the, you can have all that stuff in the back of the magazine and it's not going to matter because it's not going, you know, to be told well and done well. And, you know, with expectation of whatever elementary, middle school or high school. And as I said with, you know, my friend Randy, you know, that's the coolest part of the book is now the three of us, we didn't know each other before and we really, you know, work together well. Um, Last spring break, I went out or two spring breaks ago. Now I went out to Indianapolis to work on the book, you know, for a week. And um, I went to his school and I'm like, this cannot be. These kids are like 11 and 12 and just putting on headphones and with backbone radio doing internet radio. Like it it was, I was amazed, (laughs) you know? So, and same, and same with the TV, you know, the kids going on and, you know, I think because this is, um, now got the first generation starting in kindergarten up to 12th grade, they've only known the internet. So, you know, they're not blank slates when they come in, even if they're little, little kids. Um, I'll give you an example of what he does, which I started doing even in middle school. You know, audio is always an issue. Even in a classroom, you get a nice USB mic, you go to record. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that it's hard to do on the first take. So they're doing a couple of takes. And I started hearing features on my show where I hear myself in the background teaching because they, rec- they took their fifth or sixth take, not their first take when everybody was quiet. So um, Randy Tomes did this and I thought it was like very clever. Just a little $40, $50 Sony uh, voice recorder that you might have for a college class. And mm. in the back of it, it reminds me of the flip cameras. It has a USB in the back. So every single voiceover the kids did when we were in school, go to the library, go to a quiet place. The library is right next to, and by the way, my computer lab classroom is on the other side of the school. The TV studio is just a studio in a classroom. So from mm-hmm. my room, just go in the media center and go someplace quiet, record your opening, do your voiceover with these little voice, you know, that was a donors choose thing I got from my school. I think that we got six or seven of them. All of a sudden their voiceovers are like perfect. There's no noise in the background. And again, back to my amazement with the elementary kids, like that's how he has first and second graders record audio. And it's like pristine. It's, it's unbelievable. Wow. That is, I would have never thought that's brilliant. I mean, picture the three of us who, you know, Paul, I had met before in New York once or twice, but Randy, I had never met literally the first two months that we were writing the book. It's like, wait, wait, what you don't use a microphone. What do you use? The Sony PX 370. Hold on one second. Let Let me me write that down. No, see, look, because I already have my notes myself. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> I think like, this is brilliant. I think my kids, I, I'm, I'm in an elementary school. I think my kids would totally be into this. And again, regardless of the funds, I know even in my own school, which I'm lucky enough, it's in like an affluent high socioeconomic area, donorschoose.org. I have eight of those recorders in my school. And I just did a donors choose thing and luckily, you know, got it, uh, got it funded. It takes like right. one AAA battery records 500 yeah. hours it's it's amazing that that wow yeah that's so that's the kind of stuff that's going to be in that book for people so they they have all your tricks you guys have already done all the hard work for everybody that's why i said i mean i'm like really proud of and i think this is really going to speak to teachers and educators that this and i i totally respect the heck out of everyone who writes a book because as you know it's not easy to do but a lot of books are compilations of stories of all different teachers right. which is fantastic but this is that's not our book our book is like firsthand this is what the three of us have done this is the tripod we use this is the camera we use and cool. really through uh you know firsthand using it with kids what works what doesn't work more than and there's nothing wrong with this but we didn't go visit 20 schools and get stories from 20 teachers like what works successfully in their school. 
Um, and I think it's going to make a difference when people read the book that it really is, I like to say more educator to educator than even teacher to teacher. Right. Um, you know, if an administrator, if a teacher is reading this, hopefully people are saying, wait a second, all I need to do is get a $40 microphone, a Sony microphone, and I have, I could do podcasting with the kids. You know, I don't mm -hmm. have to go build the, you know, a, a full thing. It could be, you know, very simplistic. And also the fun of it really is for me, but at the same point, you can build it out and you could start right. just with that one microphone, but eventually get headphones, get podcasting equipment. Mm -hmm. um, they happen to use something called Backbone Radio, which is like an internet uh, radio station. So it's like a 24 hour radio station and they cut in like with their student content whenever they want to, you know, cut in for the news or sports or, and actually, right. um, Kyle, you would get a kick out of this. Randy is also like a record collector. So on Fridays, the kids spin records on the radio show. Oh, nice. And like, you know, backbone, you know, radio from his school. And again, like I said, well, you know, because you're an elementary too. I mean, the kids are diminutive, you know, little eight, nine-year-old kids. You know, they're just the stature of them. I got the biggest kick that the headphones were like bigger than them <laughs> that they put on. And no problem. Just read the script and read the lead in and play the record. And what he did, which is cool too, is it was not playing on like a really expensive record player. It was one of those right. old dusty record players that we've had in school. Yep. And he found the right jack just to get audio out and it worked perfectly. There we go. Hey, you don't need a real expensive one to, nope. to enjoy vinyl. So the player I have right now, I spent 50 bucks on it four years ago and I've upgraded a couple different times and I actually returned them because they just, they don't sound as good as my little $50 one. So yeah. the only yeah. thing I've done is um, I upgraded, I bought some uh, external speakers, some uh, really nice Sony speakers right. that now I can, so I can play it a little bit louder and make the houses next door shake a little bit. I still kick <laughs> myself. Like everyone had, I mean, I had a rock system and the whole thing and cassette player, record right. player and the whole thing, but um, you know, not, not anymore, but um, so again, you know, the story is cool, but I think even more important, and we hope it's in the wheelhouse of teachers. If you teach kindergarten, you teach eighth grade, you teach high school, like what kind of media projects could you do with high school? And obviously this was written before distance learning, but it also right. fits in perfectly. Like there was a conversation a couple months ago in my school, like, you know, kids on tests that we're giving them, like, how do we know that they're taking the test? And I'm sitting there very quietly and I'm thinking, give them open-ended projects to go create something. Like it's a higher level of learning and there is no correct answer. Like give them right. the parameters of what you want in a public service announcement or commercial or whatever mm -hmm. the curriculum drives and fits, you know, into the curriculum that they're studying. They could do a TV show from that time period. It could be in black and white. I mean, basically the curriculum is driving it, which is the other point of the book. And, you know, to your point really, Kyle, like equipment, it doesn't matter if it's fancy schmancy. I mean, I've been to some TV studios in high schools that I'm not kidding are million dollar TV studios. They were, you know, producing five minute trailers the whole year. Mm -hmm. And here I am with my analog equipment, you know, 170 <laughs> live shows. Like it, didn't, it right. didn't matter the equipment that was on. And we, I work in a K through eight district, which is interesting. And then they go to a regional high school and only this year in that regional high school, they brought back like the TV show. Cause kids would come back and say like, we miss like doing the show. Cause right. now we're doing, it was more geared towards film and there's nothing wrong with film, okay. but make like a five minute movie, but right. take like half a year to make it, you know? So think through all the shots and the lighting, which is terrific, right. but it was very much away from, you know, keep doing a live show, you know, every right. single day. 
and and both are good. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong, but they were used to seeing it. Think about this: every day in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, sixth and seventh grade, you see 170 shows in a row. Then seventh grade, by the time you do it in eighth grade, you don't know how to do the show, but raise that bar high that you know what the show's supposed to look like. No right. bloopers, no YouTube videos, no you know, you can. The kids have trouble coming up with some some type of humor features of that they can do, but try not to make it silly. You know, try to have some right. type of angle. You know, with the story, even if it's how people say different words, GIF or GIF or you know, we we do features like that. But you know, there are no features of just like you know, you know, sh like shenanigans and in in, right. in a way of like that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just to make it as as good as they can make it and. Again, the cool part of doing it live, then come back the next day and try to make it a little bit better. Bruce, I'm really looking forward to this book dropping yeah. here uh, pretty yes, soon. So, for sure. in the meantime, is there a way that people can get a hold of you and uh, connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot at B Reicher, B R E I C H E R. And the other thing that I'm going to do, like as far as the book is, uh, I'll send you a picture of the cover. And we've also started just a Google form if people want to keep updated, uh, you know, with the book. Under construction, we have a website. And also, I'm really proud of this. We're going to be the first full book that has a Wakelet companion to go with it. So oh, one of the nice. things was, as technology is new, and you know from doing a book, it doesn't happen overnight. It's tough to get that timeline sh to be short enough. So as we discovered new things with distance learning, green screen, whatever it may be, we're going to have um, a Wakelet site that's going to be active. And I'm also right. thinking of making it collaborative for people reading the book so they can have a code and then go, you know, post their projects right. that they're doing. And the other really cool part of, do you guys use Wakelet or? Oh yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. The other really cool part of Wakelet, which I can't wait to do is like, we're going to have a regular website, but almost all of it is going to be generated with embed codes from Wakelet. Wakelet. So like once we start updating Wakelet dynamically, it's going to update the, you know, the, the regular, the regular website. Um, wow. But yeah, at B Reicher on Twitter is like the easiest way to reach me. And the other thing, which I don't, we don't have a lot of time to get into, but I think professional development, not for everybody, but for me, it's changed for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not at school with classes. I have all my classes remotely. And now I've conference with people all around the world, like GEG groups, GEG global groups, um, mm -hmm. you know, c connecting with other people if they need help with we video. Um, even if you do ed camps, you just go to ed camps, virtual ones, and I could be in Kansas one week and then wherever the next week. Um, right. It really like the Thomas Friedman has like leveled the playing field that I think this is a real growth time for PD and maybe a silver lining of being at home is you could re you have to know what time zone you're in, but you could reach anybody any time of the day and do right. professional development with them. Absolutely. No, so. that's a that's a great point. That's a great point. I'm super excited about the Wakelet idea because it's almost like you have the book, but the book's being updated with newer information as as you go. I think that's amazing. That's brilliant. I mean, simple enough. Like there has to be a distance learning folder. You know, yeah. like how are you going to leverage all of this of right. what the kids have <laughs> at home? Um, right. and you know, you don't dare touch the book after 12 people have already proofread it. Like right. we're not going to put in <laughs> a distance learning new section for right. you know, more people, you know, to read through. And right. if you're used to Wakelet too, I mean, I do do it on the computer, but the convenience on the phone of just, Hey, I found this right. great resource. 
I could put it in a folder or flip it in a folder, uh, flip grid shorts, all the rest of the things that come mm -hmm. with Wakelet. And in the book, uh, Mizba, who's one of their customer service people, he's actually written the section of Wakelet, how Wakelet could be used for media in the classroom in the book. So nice. we have a Wakelet section, we video section, and um, the last one is Backbone Radio. Like the CEOs or people that work at the company have written those sections, uh, you know, in, in the book. It's incredible. Like I said, I'm really that's, excited. That's, so I'm excited about it. Yeah. So Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. We would like for you to stick around though, because we yes. got some uh, knowledge that we want to impart on you here momentarily. So again, thank you. Uh, listeners want to keep the conversation going, yep. share some of your thoughts on today's topics. Email us at info at beeredupodcast.com. Tweet us at beeredupod using hashtag beeredupod. Hit us up on Facebook, uh, beeredupodcast, all one word. Um, this was also on Facebook Live. So yep. viewers, thank you for joining us again. Thanks, Follow everybody. us on Instagram at beeredupod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, bit.ly slash YouTube. Uh, we're slowly starting to get all of our episodes on there uh, from the past. And we'll start doing some features on there here before too long as well. We just got to find the time to do it with all the craziness <laughs> going we'll on. Have to do something. <laughs> yeah, It'll then, be there eventually, we promise. Yeah. And then, uh, again, Bruce at B. Reicher yes. on Twitter. Send us a voice message using the Anchor app. Review us wherever you listen so more people can find the show. And if you'd like to be a guest like Bruce, visit our website, beeredupodcast.com. Click on the contact and subscription info link, complete our guest form, and we will get you on the show. Yes, please hit us up. We'd love to have you on the show. Talk about your passion, just like Bruce did. Um, but this now, now we're going to move into the section. We're going to do a little more learning, and we're going to do a learn about. And Kyle, you have one that, yeah, I had no idea. I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> No, I, and neither did I, and, and, it, and it, it comes directly from my beer, Derby beer, that I have tonight. Um, what is a Kentucky common beer? I had never heard of this, so I sit down at the brewery, I see that in the list, and I, you know, I, look, I go to my untapped account and <laughs> on, the never had one of those. <laughs> and I see, because it always lists under the name of the beer, what the yep. style is, and I saw Kentucky common, I'm like, what is this? So I had to do some looking up on it, so um, it's a very uncommon style. <laughs> obviously I, I, I like yeah so so like i'm gonna i'm gonna do a call out to ken mattingly so ken i know you're from kentucky do you know about this i mean I'm he, gonna, i've got let a us feeling know if he's you gonna know because I, I think he does i think he knows being as he has a brewery in louisville i i think he knows yeah so <laughs> this is a beer that was very popular in the areas around louisville kentucky right. from the mid 1800s until prohibition and once prohibition hit it just the the style faded away and it's starting okay. to come back a little bit. But even then, I couldn't even really find a whole lot of examples of it. Been, and I definitely didn't find examples of, from breweries that I know. So okay. what makes this beer unique and what makes it what it is, it's mostly barley for the grain bill. Okay, just like a standard beer. But 25 to 30% of the grain bill is actually corn. So when I talked about the beer earlier being a little bit sweet, I, I can almost guarantee that's where the sweetness was coming from was from the corn. Oh, okay. And then the color is coming from, they use a small amount of black or caramel malt and it gives it a little bit of a darker color. So, so that that's the combination of the grain bill for it. And then, I mean, it's an ale, it's top fermented. Um, but what also makes this one unique is that, when the beer was popular, that you're talking about times before refrigeration. So you couldn't really right. age beers real well. And then 
other beers in colder areas of the country in the world, they would basically go ch- cut out chunks of ice from lakes and rivers and whatnot in the winter, and then they would mm-hmm. store them. And then in the summer, if you had to age beer, you had these ice. But Louisville is not exactly a place where you get a lot of ice. So yeah. they, they had a hard time basically aging this beer. So the idea was we're going to make this beer and we're just going to drink it. We're not going to really age it because we, we really can't age this stuff. It's going to spoil if we try to age it. So the beer was actually consumed usually within six to eight days of brewing. So you think about like, Ben, you're a home brewer or used to be at least. Yeah. I mean, most of the beers you made, you probably sat in those things for three weeks before you even bought. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It took, yeah. Depends on, depends on the style too. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, I mean, it, it went from brewing to drinking within a week almost. Wow. Yeah. So, so what this did was it made it very inexpensive produce because you didn't have all the, you didn't have all the overhead of aging it and everything. So then because it was cheap, the working class people in the areas around Louisville, it was very popular with them. But then again, it got to prohibition. It kind of faded away. So now when it comes to all the specs, it's amber to light brown in color, you know, from that little bit of the, the chocolate, not the chocolate malt, the, uh, the black malt or the caramel malt. Lower in IBU, they don't they don't hop these things uh, real heavy. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, slightly sweet in the flavor. Again, that's most likely from the corn. Like I said, very easy drinking. I mean, this was a beer very deceptive. I look at this darker beer and I'm like, oh, that's probably not going to be a lawnmower beer, but it definitely is. So, not a lot of breweries making this one. Starting to make a, a little bit of a comeback. So, this one I, I got from a brewery in Las Vegas. So, um, there's another style. I didn't know about this one either very similar to the California common and it's for the it's for the same reasons where it was hard to brew it without the ice okay. or refrigeration but anchor steam is a California common oh, okay so oh. California common and Kentucky common they're essentially the same beer style just from different areas uh, of the country interesting so, all right but wow. and, I mean we we love our anchor steam you and I've talked I do about this I do before. love some anchor steam that is so, very true I'm actually putting a call out because I said I couldn't really find any good examples. And yeah. definitely this is the first one I've ever had. So I'm putting a call out to listeners. If you know of one, <laughs> let us know. And so, okay, and Ken, especially Ken, you. Tell us what, tell us what we need. He's going to be like, he's already got probably a list of, of many of them. He's yeah. like, what are you guys talking about? Of course they're. So yeah. no, I would love, that's cool. I've never heard of that. So yeah, awesome. like I said, I, I never heard of it until yeah. I went to Hop Nuts Brewery and saw it on the menu. I am going to look for it. And now everywhere I go, I'm going to have to try to find one. So, so Bruce, you said earlier at the beginning of the show, we told, we teased this a little bit, like, tell us, tell us, you got some stuff for us too, that you want to share. So I would love to hear about it. Yeah, I do. Um, as I said, I felt like I was on the millionaire show. <laughs> I had the phone a friend um, yeah. because I've never had any of these. I can't give you all the statistics, but I do know the names of the places and where they are. Right. Best place in the Northeast. And it looked like they delivered from their website. And I don't know if you know of this place or not. Treehouse in Massachusetts. I've heard I'll of send, that one. I'll that one is very highly regarded by uh, the Untapped podcast. They've talked about that on there a few times. Yeah. I mean, my the person that I called about it who brews at home is, to me, like an expert. He's like, you can't even get near the place. Like when wow. it was before COVID, like to go up there and to get in, they don't sell right. out and that type of thing. So that's right. one of them. And then I said, well, what about, that's great for the Northeast, but what about New Jersey? Like what are you right. know two of the best ones here? Um, the Keen Brewery and Carlton, C-A-R-T-O-N. 
He said okay. both of those are uh, very good. They're both in South Jersey. I'm actually in North Jersey by uh, New York City. Both right. of those are closer to like Atlantic City and Philadelphia. Um, okay. But I do have the links for those. I looked up the websites. It was really cool, you know, to see, you know, to see what they were, see what they were all about. And, uh, you know, the places are not that far away in New Jersey. That could be a destination, you know, in, <laughs> in my future this summer. There we go. Then I could, then I could give, you know, I'll uh, yeah. videotape and give you like a full, you know, report. A report. Of, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I have family probably very close to you in North Jersey, and I know my cousin, he was stationed in the Coast Guard at Atlantic City for a while, and it was only about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where one of them – I think the Carlton one is in, like, right outside of, of Atlantic City. Cool. Um, and you're exactly right. That's kind of where I am, too. To go all the way down to Atlantic City is about two, two-and-a-half hours. I'm all the way – like, the last exit uh, in New Jersey okay. is uh, – the town where I grew up in and everything. Um, but yeah, though, see, I think those are a lot better than, you know, Coors Light, Heineken, I kind of like, I don't know, yeah. you know. So phone There's a friend, it, with... <laughs> it, gave me, it gave me a life, something to talk about for a couple minutes. And he said, you can't no. go wrong with the treehouse. He said treehouse is, right on. he also said uh, more than even like mail order, he's like, the treehouse should be like available in the whole country. So yeah, it might be. I think that's one of the ones that's, and, and I'd have to look it up, but I bet you could probably find it somewhere on the West Coast. A lot of, a lot of the way things are going now, and, and we, Kyle and I have talked about this a lot on the show, is a lot of these brewers are now either shipping or they're setting up another brewery on the East Coast. Sierra Nevada was probably one of the first that I can think of the small craft brewers that did their, you know, Chico, and now they got North Carolina. Yeah, and Lagunitas yeah. did the same thing with their... Yep one in california now they got one outside chicago yeah so so i think some brewers are trying to do that so cool cool that's good to know we'll have to look for that one absolutely we have to just you know keep our fingers crossed with all of them too that have like branched into becoming restaurants because i I cannot imagine at all with this percentage of unemployment that you know all those people good luck you know in the restaurant business to wherever they are in the country just to right. get back and hopefully the drive through service or pull-up service has kind of gotten you through um right. and hopefully all these you know places survive because they're cool yeah Absolutely. for sure i mean that's we we talk about that a lot support your local your local brewers you know support your a lot of brewers up here i know down where you are kyle they do takeout they do they do curbside service um i know i know i've been supporting mine <laughs> Yes. I won't say how much. I, yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling that's Same where here. one of you guys was going to go. You're, you're yeah. supporting the company. We've supported you're a few. Absolutely. They, so. Yeah. Some of mine deliver, so I'm very happy. <laughs> well, Bruce, thanks again for joining thanks, us. Bruce. Listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode. Our next one will be episode number 77, Ben. Yes. Yeah. And thank until you. next time, may the malts and the hops be with you. Right on. Right on.